I want to quickly let you know something very exciting before we dive into today's episode. I am giving away some sort of prize, discount, offer, freebie for 10 days leading up to Christmas. It is the Simplify by Kate 10 days of Christmas giveaway. It's happening over on my Instagram. So go and follow me and keep an eye on my stories and on my posts over the next 10 days at Simplify by Kate. And every day you have a chance to get an awesome discount, to win something for free, to have something given to you. I'm just feeling super festive. I have finally landed in the Christmas spirit after kind of having Christmas sneak up on me, to be honest. And suddenly I was like, holy shit, it's nearly Christmas. Let's do the Christmas tree. Let's do all my present shopping. I was listening to Christmas carols. I was like, yes, I'm feeling it. And you know what? I freaking love my community. And I want to say a big, 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 big thank you so much for all of your support, especially over 2023, while I've been launching so many things and all of this exciting stuff is happening and you guys have just been so supportive. So this is my present to you. So jump over to my Instagram at Simplify by Kate. Make sure you're watching out for my stories and my posts and you might be able to win yourself a little something something. I also have coming up the release of my simplicity guidebook. Woohoo! Right in time for you to really reflect on it, work through it, engage with it, journal with it, and use it to take some fresh energy with you into 2024 and really have that blueprint and guidance on how you can really look to simplify your life and scale back your life in 2024. If that is a goal for you, if you're feeling super overwhelmed or you're just not coping with how your life is at the moment and you're regularly feeling burnt out, you're struggling with people pleasing, you're feeling a little bit lost, get ready. Download the workbook. Remember, it's only going to be free in December uh, because, like I said, I'm feeling festive. And then as of 2024, it will be a paid offer. So once again, head to my Instagram, join our Simplicity Club at www.simplifybykate.com because then you're going to be the first to know when the guidebook is ready to go and you can nab yourself a free copy before you have to pay for it. With that in mind, let's get into things. Who's ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's go. Hello and welcome. My name is Kate. I'm a holistic counselor, a Reiki practitioner, and an Ayurvedic wellness ambassador. And I'm on a mission. I'm looking to rediscover simplicity in a world that seems way too damn complicated. So buckle up and come along for the ride as we talk all things self-development, healing, and holistic wellness. We are going to slow down, scale back, and rebuild community through radical authenticity. Let's freaking go. So before we go ahead and get started, I just want to acknowledge the custodians of the land that I'm recording on today. I'm on beautiful Ghana country today here in Adelaide, South Australia. Always was, always will be. So I really want to pay my respect to the indigenous owners of the land and their deep relationship with nature, with our skies, our earth and our sea. And I want to extend that respect to wherever it is that you're listening today. 
Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. This episode is a little bit later than normal because I was actually hit with the most foul flu. I'm always doing alliteration on this podcast. (laughs) Am I meant to be a poet? Um, But no, I really was super sick last week. Just, yeah, it really makes you, you know, not take your full health for granted. So I am grateful to be able to breathe through both nostrils, to have my regular energy levels back finally, and to be able to, you know, just engage in everyday life after basically rotting on the couch for a week. So that was gross. But, you know, it's a really good reminder, especially over this busy December period where we're doing lots of, you know, Christmas parties and socializing and more drinking than normal. It's a good reminder to still make sure that we're listening to our bodies and taking care of them and not pushing them too hard because, you know, if we don't listen to our body's whispers, it will eventually yell at you through something much worse or it will just give up completely like mine. So take my advice, which I did not take (laughs) myself and listen to those little niggles from your body that says, Hey, I'm feeling a little bit pushed over the edge and I need you to slow down because it's not worth dying on your couch for a week. You know, there's only so much TV that you can watch before you start to go a little bit crazy. So Thank you for your patience while I rested and recuperated and got to a space where I finally had enough creative energy (laughs) to be able to record, which is now. Hooray! So our last episode was really around end of year resets, right? Now that we've hit December, we're getting ready for the new year. And it's a really beautiful time for us to kind of reflect on the year that was and think about what we are manifesting and what we're wanting to create in 2024. So if you haven't listened to that episode, I would go back one, listen to that and then come back here so that this will make a little bit more sense. So for me, where I'm at in my reset journey at the moment is the reflective piece. So thinking about 2023 and thinking what were the big themes for me over this year? What were the challenges? What were the pain points? What were the highlights? Like, where was I feeling really embodied? What was really working? What were my joys? And while I've been in this kind of reflective zone, what's really stood out to me as a huge theme and a huge challenge, not just for me, but what feels like everyone around me in 2023 was this sense of disillusion and what disillusion feels like and being able to, I guess, grieve our expectations or our ideas or the world that I guess we were sold for a very long time. And I think it really came to a head over 2023 where we looked around and we were like, wow, things are not how we had had them sold to us, right? By our parents, by our schools, by our governments, by our larger systems at play. We're feeling really disillusioned with how the world actually looks and how things have have ended up. And I think certainly for my generation, I'm 29. So it's something I've really noticed in my conversations with basically everyone at a similar, I suppose, age group to myself is this feeling of, of disillusion with the reality that we've been handed. When I reflect on 
I guess, my personal challenges in 2023. This was a huge one for me. I went through a really a long period of feeling like it was very difficult for me to connect with the simple joys that normally are my foundations for, you know, creating the life that I want and making sure that I'm content, that I'm happy, that I'm grateful, really just those pillars that help me stay grounded and help me stay focused on what's controllable. It can feel really overwhelming. And normally what really grounds me are my rituals and these simple pleasures and joys that I can engage in. But that felt really hard over 2023, over certain periods where I was just like, what is the point? Sometimes it felt like, what is the point? And having that challenge while still trying to focus on your circle of control and I guess still being able to find a sense of hope during times that can really seem quite hopeless. That was certainly very difficult for myself. And I get the sense that that was a common challenge and something that a lot of other people found really difficult as well. So we're going to dive into this a bit today, right? And and talk about how we can still find joy and create hope for ourselves, even when we're going through these turbulent times and the world is really kind of hectic and crazy and almost a little depressing at times around us. How can we still stay in our power and how can we still stay grounded and how can we still stay connected to our whys and our purpose and some form of joy while we have all of that going going along kind of on the outside? How do we remain somewhat unaffected by that? It can be really hard. And when I think about sort of where this started for me and where this really was born, this feeling of disillusion, I think when we think about COVID, right, which was obviously such a crazy time, but it wasn't that long ago. And the thing with COVID is I do want to be sensitive in how I'm speaking here because obviously it was a terrible time for many. However, I also think it was really a a time of shift and a really hopeful time for the world as well, because suddenly it's like we had our eyes opened to a different way of being and a different way of living. And I think for a lot of people, we realize, well, first of all, we can work from home for a lot of jobs. We can work from home. We can do things that we never thought possible once we kind of had to and we had to adapt. And for a lot of people that really changed work-life balance and what that looked like. Uh, A lot of people were engaging in passion projects and new hobbies and growing their own food. And there was really this sense of community connection and supporting one another and looking out for one another. And it felt like that power was sort of being put back into the hands of the people. And it was like this worldwide wake-up call in a way where we were like, holy shit, We don't actually have to live the way that we were living and the way that we were living was actually not really sustainable for our wellness and our health long term. We can actually work to live instead of living to work. You know, we can engage with community. We can grow our own food. We can do things for fun. We can have hobbies and passions that aren't related to our work life. We can have more flexibility. We don't need to be rat raced, put in an office from nine to five, Monday to Friday, take your 20 minute lunch break or eat at your desk 
and that's just life and that's just how it is and we must do this until we die. It was like this wake up call where it felt like really, it felt very hopeful to me anyway. And I think to a lot of people, it was like, oh, we can live a different way. And it felt like that COVID was going to be this huge shift in that respect culturally that we were going to kind of change hustle culture, change our working lives, change all of that and live in a way that's more aligned, more flexible and is actually going to make us happy. However, obviously, once things started calming down a little bit on the COVID front, it was like the systems, the government, workplaces, etc., were really rushing us to go back to normal. Let's get back to normal. The new normal. All of that kind of phrasing. And it was like, time to get straight back into the office. Time to do this. Time to do that. And it was like we were really being forced back into a lifestyle pre-COVID. And that felt, for me anyway, really disappointing. It was like we were given this opportunity as a society to do better, to live in a different way, to live in a more mindful, ethical, human-friendly way. And it felt like big corporations were just like, sorry, fuck that. Um, stop, stop gardening. Come back, <laughs> come back into the office. What do you think you are? Do you think that you have free will and, um, you know, that you, that you want to live too bad. You're actually just a gear. You're a pointless gear. Get back in here. (laughs) Right. Um, and we lost all sort of support and financial aid from the government. People were just sort of left out high and dry and forced back into offices. Flexibility left the building. Suddenly we have to be back in offices five days a week. We've lost the, the flexibility around like finishing early or, you know, touching base about personal lives or mental health. Not everywhere. I'm not going to say everywhere, but it felt like we were really being pushed back into how things were without even being given any integration space, any grieving space, any time to really like actually deal with what we had all just been through as a world and as a society and as a collective. It had been an absolutely bizarre time with so much change. It had been really quite traumatic for a lot of people. And it was like we were given no space to kind of reflect on that, to think about it and how we might want to change things. We weren't given the room to process it, to grieve it, to deal with it. And it was like we were just shoved straight back into the rat race. All right, let's go. Let's get things back to normal. And obviously not only that, but it was like once we got back into that space, that's when the economic fallout of COVID really became obvious with higher costs of living, supermarkets going crazy with with raising all of their prices, crazy rent increases. It was really crazy. And it just felt like it just felt really inhumane almost to just not be given any time to really process what we had dealt with on this huge scale and just to be shoved back into into the way things were. It felt to me like we had wasted this opportunity to rethink how we were actually living our lives. And, you know, the effects of COVID and of lockdowns and that whole period, we're only really starting to see that now. And it's just like something that was so intense and so heavy. We just weren't allowed to cope with that in our own time, in our own ways. And I mean, I'm seeing this still now in my current role where I work with disadvantaged children and 
The effect that COVID and lockdowns and online schooling has had on kids' mental health is blindingly obvious in every piece of work that I'm doing in this role where I'm reading about how so many children now are really struggling with social anxiety and there was so much anxiety around going back to in-person school. That was something that came up again and again and again among so many students where it was like they had just been at home by themselves only engaging with their teachers and with others and with classes online and suddenly they're expected to just immediately go back to school with all of these other students and be able to cope. Not to mention that this is obviously at a time during their development where this can be really, really damaging for them. And the effects of of that type of isolation is really, it's going to be, I guess, interesting to see how that plays out long term. But I'm already seeing the effects. We're already seeing the effects. And it's social anxiety has become like an epidemic post-COVID. And not just for, for school kids. Like, I know this is something that I myself struggled with post-COVID and a lot of my friends did because... It's just such a huge adjustment, right, to go back out into the big wide world after being isolated and and locked down for so long. And it was like there was no understanding of that. There was no support given to to kids or, or adults or anyone during this time. And I know previous roles that I was in post-COVID where we had had staff working from home for a super long time. There was almost like this negative judgment around people being anxious or nervous or not coping very well with coming back to the office. And I mean, is it any wonder it's a huge adjustment, especially going from working from home full time to being shoved back into an office full time? You would think that maybe there would be like a transition period, but I know for a lot of workplaces that was not the case. I mean, I'm super duper lucky in the role that I'm in now that I do have heaps of flexibility. I'm so grateful for that. But it blows my mind when I hear about other people's jobs and they like uh, they're not even allowed one work from home day at all in roles where you absolutely can do it we we saw that we can do that we can be just as productive our output remains the same but we can actually live our lives and have a little more flexibility and be able to like create community create the village etc we saw that we can do that and so it makes me to be honest angry when i see corporations instead just immediately wanting to regain control and take that away from their employees. It's really, really bizarre, but I have seen that on a mass, mass scale. And it's like they're just ignoring the people, right? Because if you asked the the general public, especially, obviously it's different if you work a job where you can't work from home. I'm not saying everyone can work from home, but if you ask people who work office roles, admin roles, etc. What is important to you in a workplace now? 100% the answer for most people is going to be flexibility. Flexibility. So why are we immediately trying to pull people back into offices five days a week? <laughs> I don't know. It is super bizarre and very, very frustrating. I can imagine that would be so frustrating if you're in that position. Really, COVID felt like a time where finally, perhaps we were going to unsubscribe as a collective from this super toxic hustle culture, false urgency culture that has just been so rife in workplaces. And it just seems like for 
a lot of places, that's not the case. They went straight back into that and any type of understanding or any type of viewing employees holistically and understanding that they're a whole person coming to work, (laughs) that seemed to totally go out the window. And it went from being like, we're a family. We're here to like look after each other over COVID. Let's all check in with each other to, all right, you know, enough fucking about Come back into the office, work a 10 hour day, eat your lunch at your desk because, you know, the CEO's fourth yacht trip isn't going to book itself. Chop, 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 peasants. (laughs) And this is where I think this disillusion really started because it was like we were almost given this new way of living and this freedom and then just having it snatched away like that really created this this disillusion with the world that we now have And I think on a mass scale, I think, you know, that's why so many people over the last year have been quitting their jobs and we have like such a worker shortage. Is it any wonder? So, you know, it makes you feel quite small, helpless, hopeless, like we're too small to really contribute to systemic change like that. It went from feeling like the power was with the people to having that taken away and just feel like you can't change the outcomes of these like overarching systems in society felt, yeah, like it was a feeling of disillusion, but I think it was also really quite depressing for a lot of people. And I know for me personally, that was really, really something I struggled with in terms of my own mental health for quite a significant period over 2023. It was like a grieving period of what could have been and working to accept what I can and can't control out of this new reality. And it wasn't by any means easy. And this really kicked up a notch again when we started seeing these really crazy cost of living pressures and really crazy property prices and housing prices. And again, it was this feeling of like we had been lied to about what to expect, like the Australian dream is no longer realistic or achievable for a significant amount of people. And I know for for me, for my generation, we were basically told, you know, you finish school, go to uni, get your degree, get a good job, stay in your job, and you'll be able to buy a house, have a family, you know, go on your once every two year holiday as a family, buy a new car, etc. And that is just for a significant amount of people no longer an achievable goal. And then that raises all of these feelings about full-time work because if you're not really enjoying what you're doing, it used to be like you could just work a job that was okay because there's a means to an end. You're like, oh, well, like, you know, it's not the best job. Like, I don't love it. But hey, I'm just working because then I'll be able to buy a house and, and own a house and have a family and go on my holiday or or whatever. When that's no longer an achievable dream and you are just working to pay bills, to buy groceries, to pay rent that just keeps getting raised again and again and again and again, it feels like, what's the point, right? What the hell's the point of working that hard? I may as well just not work. <laughs> so again, it was this feeling of disillusion of like, I was promised this Australian dream and this Australian dream is no longer conceivable. And I think that was really, really a a collective feeling among my generation anyway. And particularly being the age that I am at, at 29, obviously going into COVID in 2020, I would have been 26, 
25, 26, where, you know, you're still in your mid 20s. You don't quite have that same external time pressure, particularly, you know, for women when it comes to having a family, if that is a goal, obviously we do have technology now that takes the pressure off a little bit, but there is still a biological ticking clock that has that dream and that goal on a timeline. So going into COVID and like basically having three years taken away, coming out of that into this crazy economic situation where buying a house seems totally off the table. It's like you have to rethink all of your goals. Obviously, that's not a goal for everybody, but for me, it has always been a goal. And suddenly, suddenly it's like, well, okay, if I wanted to buy a house before I have children, now that this is, you know, everything's so expensive, it may not be achievable, it gets pushed back, 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 back on the timeline. And you have to rethink maybe the order in which you're going to do things or whether you can even do things at all. And I think that's really hard, you know? And I mean, it's, again, friends of mine who are the same age as me, it's this feeling of, I've lost my my 20s. I've lost that section of my mid-20s where I'm like traveling and having fun and partying. And now it's like, oh crap, I'm about to turn 30. I better quickly save all this money and buy a house and start a family. <laughs> and it's really like a grieving of three years that we didn't really get to have. And we weren't given the space to properly grieve that. And I think it's only coming up now. We weren't given the opportunity to to process that or to reflect on that. So, you know, I think that's something that's really come up over 2023 as well, as it's like this feeling of lost time, this feeling of running out of time. And this weighed heavily on me. Like I've really felt like I was basically chasing this bullet train and I'm just running and running and running. I'm trying to like throw myself onto it and get onto this train before it disappears and it's gone forever and I can never get onto it. And I think that's such a common feeling, this this fear of running out of time because for this generation, the timeline has changed. And I mean, statistically, we're already having children later in life. We're already having more careers in our lifespan, more different jobs in our lifespans. So it's only natural to an extent that everything's happening later on already. So I think that's something that's really important to to remember. But it's like while that's happening on one hand, we still have this idea in society that we have to have everything done by 30. It's like people think your life is just over (laughs) once you hit 30, which is so young, so young. It's like a third of our lives. We've still got two thirds to go. So that was really a a piece of, of work for me was to, while logically I knew that I have time, time is, you know, a construct, it will keep moving no matter what. It's outside of my circle of control. It still felt like a huge amount of of pressure and it did really affect me. I'd be waking up in the night anxious thinking about just time passing and being like, I'm late. I'm late for life. I'm like the, the little rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. I'm late. I'm late. And you know, you're like, for what? And your anxiety is like, I don't know everything. <laughs> Freaking everything. <laughs> so if you're feeling like that, first of all, you're not alone. Secondly, time will pass regardless. And I think 
affirmations are really helpful in this space of just repeating to yourself again and again and again, I am on my own timeline. I am on my own journey. Things will happen for me when they're ready to happen for me. And you can't see ahead of time. You have no idea what's in line for you over the next six months, one year, two years, five years. And when you think about five years ago and you think about how different your life was, how different you were and all of the things that have happened and all of the achievements that you've had in five years, you're like, oh, heaps can happen. (laughs) And that is kind of how I make myself feel better is really finding that evidence. It's almost like similar to a type of cognitive behavioral therapy where you're like, okay, what's the evidence for and against me running out of time in life? And The more evidence you find that everything's going to be fine, the better you feel about it. So that is something that I would think about if I were you, if you're someone that feels like you're running out of time, think about everything that has happened and everything you've done and everything you've accomplished over five years. It makes you feel better. Trust me. But overall, for a significant part of 2023, it was this feeling of disillusion. Disillusion that as a society, we didn't change in the positive ways we could have post-COVID. Disillusion that the Australian dream that I was sold since I was a little girl is actually a crock of shit, basically. (laughs) The disillusion of working. And obviously, luckily for me, I was able to shift my work to be more values aligned. And If you can do that, if you can work towards that, it makes a huge difference. It makes a huge difference because instead of being like, I'm just working to pay bills and it's making me depressed, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm working to, yes, pay my bills, but also I am working in a role that is really aligned with my values. And so it's this sense of purpose outside of the money. That's going to to help you feel a sense of meaning in the work that you're doing. I think it's a really, really difficult time for people that have jobs where it's just a means to an end. And obviously that's the situation for a lot of people. And I can imagine that that would be really, really difficult right now when things are so expensive. (laughs) And this is when I think it's important to think about things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And this is basically a a psychology theory on human motivation. And it's something that is obviously so relevant when it comes to the self-development space and everything that I do and all of the work that I do when it comes to holistic healing and self-development and counseling and psychotherapy. And it's This idea that we have a hierarchy of needs and it looks like a triangle. I'll actually link, put a link in the, in the show notes so that you can visually see what I'm talking about. But the idea is that you can't reach the the top of this hierarchy of needs unless you have the foundational ones taken care of. So the first sort of step in this hierarchy is like our physiological needs, right? Water food, shelter, our basic needs that make us. It's actually now that I'm thinking about it, super similar to the seven chakras. That's really interesting. Let's post-it note that little idea for me to dive into later. Anyway, sorry, you can tell I'm an air sign. I'm getting distracted. (laughs) 
<laughs> by what I'm talking about. But yeah, this idea of physiological needs being our foundation. So if we don't have somewhere safe to sleep, if we don't have food, if we don't have water, there's obviously no way that we can then focus on things like self-development, things like healing, things like mental health, when we're not even sort of having those basic human needs fulfilled. So it's something I would really recommend that you engage with and have a look at because it really helps us understand ourselves. It helps us understand others. And I think it's something that's become so obvious over these post-COVID times with a lot of cost of living pressures where more and more people are not able to have those physiological needs met. So how can we expect them to have a level of self-development or emotional regulation or anything like that when they don't even have the basics? So if you're at a place where sort of affording basic necessities, things like shelter, your rent or your mortgage, your food, your water, things like that, I would say don't expect yourself to be able to engage with self-development or if you're like, why am I depressed? Like, why am I not having the best emotional regulation right now? Why am I not finding joy in, in these things I used to find joy in? Is it any wonder, you know, have a look at the hierarchy of needs and see, okay, it's because I'm not having these basic needs fulfilled or these basic needs are being threatened. And this is my ego response is this stress response. It's literally my brain taking care of me saying, hey, my most important resources are being threatened. They are scarce and I need to take care of myself and be in that survival mode. When you're in that survival mode, it is really difficult to engage with the rituals that normally you'd engage with, your self-care strategies, your movement, eating well, etc. So show yourself grace if that is where you're at and know that this too shall pass. The only promise in this life is change. I truly believe that it won't be like this forever. And I mean, obviously in the work that, that I do, I can see how these sorts of cycles are, are broken. And that does give me, it does give me hope, you know, for, for those of us that are really struggling and are really faced with that kind of financial disadvantage and aren't having those basic needs met. So how do we reconnect with joy and how do we still find a sense of hope and a sense of meaning during these periods where we're really struggling with this feeling of, of disillusion or we're feeling like really powerless, really small and feeling like, how can I possibly change this? How can I contribute? How can little old me make change when these overarching systems are creating such intense issues for people. You can feel really trapped, really stuck, really powerless. So how do we cope? How do we deal with that? How do we re-engage with joy, with play when we're in that space where we're really struggling with this feeling of disillusion? Funnily enough, through the role I'm doing now, I was doing a course called, I will link it in the show notes. It's free, so you don't have to pay for it. It was called The Path of Moral Leadership, and that's available on a website called Acumen. 
They have a lot of free like self-development and professional development courses. So I'd really recommend checking them out if that's something that you're interested in. Like I said, it's totally free. Anyone can sign up and do those courses. But this particular course was really around this idea of people power and how we can bring change about in these periods of unknown and in these really difficult periods where there's so much inequity in the world. How do we deal with that and what can we actually do? So that was really such a gift from the universe. And I truly believe a a moment of co-creation where the universe could see that I was struggling with this and I was going through this lesson and the universe said, hey, I've got you. Have a look at this. This is your answer. And because so much of it was reflective work where you were answering questions and going through like a workbook type thing, it was very beneficial for me at that time. And it really helped me reshape my idea of my circle of control. And I really started to see myself as almost like a stone in a pond. So When we're looking at these huge issues in the world and we're only one person, we're seeing these huge issues as the pond, we're the stone and we think, gosh, I'm only one little stone. You can't possibly throw me all the way over this huge pond. I won't. There's no possible way that I can make it to the other side. And that may well be the case. But if you throw the stone and it hits the water, what does make it to the other side of the pond is the ripples. So know that you do have an effect on the world. You are capable of changing the world and of of causing significant change for the better, of creating the world that you want. You do have that power. You do. And you don't know just how much so, right? We're almost blind to that. So you may think that just smiling and connecting in an authentic way with your barista in the morning is not really doing a whole much for the big wide world, but it is. You've perhaps shown this example of vulnerability and authentic connection and inspired the barista to then go in and do that themselves, who then inspires somebody else, who then inspires somebody else, etc. So while we may not be able to cross the entire pond, We can, through our circle of control, through our embodied action and our values aligned living, we can contribute to greater change, to collective change through those ripple effects. And I think there's so much power in that that can't be overlooked. Another huge piece of the puzzle for me was almost relearning the idea of acceptance, almost radical acceptance. Because when the world is feeling heavy and when it's feeling really negative, those are really addictive feelings, right? So it's very addictive to complain about it with others, to all sit around. Suddenly that's the only topic of conversation It's just the world is fucked. How fucked is the world? Greedy landlords and horrible companies and blah, 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 blah. Suddenly it's everywhere. And this was very much the case for me, even though I am very, very mindful about who I follow on social media, as the algorithm gets smarter and smarter, it's still showing me lots of the same like negative train of thought and you're being sucked into it, sucked into it, sucked into it until suddenly you realize the only conversations you're having with your loved ones are about everything that's wrong with the world. 
And this is where this piece of creating your reality is so important because yes, we are empowered to create the reality that we want. The world is not the world. It is our perception of the world and it is the stories that we tell ourselves about the world. So if every conversation you're having is that the world is fucked, if every piece of media you're consuming is that the world is fucked, then yeah, the world is fucked. (laughs) You are confirming your worldview by doing that. And it's such a cycle and it's so toxic and it's really hard when you're in it to recognize that that's what's happening. Once I recognized that that's what was happening, I could begin the work of creating a better reality for myself. So I was really disengaging from conversations like that. I was really being mindful of it. I brought it up with my partner and said, look, I feel like we love to vent to one another and have that space to vent. And that is so important. But I want us to be mindful that this isn't the only conversation that we're having because I want us to be able to to co-imagine and co-create a better world together and so we've been able to hold ourselves and each other accountable for that so I would really recommend having that conversation with your loved ones so that when one of you starts to pivot down the (laughs) the black hole of you know the whole world's fucked the other one can hold you accountable and say hey let's Let's reshift. Let's refocus. Let's look at what's in our circle of control. Let's think about gratitude. Let's think about something that's beautiful. Let's go and watch the sunset. Let's go and have a nice glass of wine. Let's play. Let's joke around together. And that, that is the power of co-creating your own reality. It is what you say it is. And so it will be. Mindfulness seems like an obvious one. And I know we're probably so sick of hearing the word (laughs) mindfulness, but it is truly your, your pillar when it comes to being able to, to cope with turbulent times and still be able to find the joy because so much of our stress is due to our time traveling. We're thinking about the future. We're scared how the future looks. How will we ever buy a house? Blah, blah, blah. Or we're thinking about the past. Oh, it used to be so good. Everything used to be so cheap. Remember when you used to buy a watermelon for 85 cents, etc. So we're living in the past. We're living in the future. But we're missing the right now. We're not here in the present. When we're focused on mindfulness and we're focused on breath and we're focused on the present moment, that is when things seem a little bit more manageable because we just need to focus on the right now. We need to put one foot in front of the other, inhale, exhale. It's the only thing that we truly have in the grip of our hands. So for me, this looked like really making sure I was still engaging in my yoga practice because it was when I was truly present and it was just matching breath to movement, inhale, pose, exhale, pose. And it was sort of the 60 minutes a day that my brain wasn't like in the past and in the future. So being able to really ground down into that mindfulness practice is something that's really going to help if you're finding that you're struggling to to cope or find that level of, of joy or contentment in what are really hectic times. Connecting with my spirituality was a huge one. And I think there's such a misconception that spirituality is based around religion or based around the real woo woo shit, which like if that, if that's spirituality for you, 
awesome, more power to you. But spirituality truly is just a sense of meaning outside of yourself. And that is such a predictor of our well-being, of our happiness, of our mental health, is this sense of something greater than us, something greater to contribute to, that something else is supporting us. So I really invite you to to dive into that and to explore that, whether it looks like meditation, whether it looks like booking yourself in for a Reiki treatment, whether it looks like prayer. And again, prayer is not inherently religious. Prayer might be just speaking to nature. To me, nature is deeply spiritual. It's spiritual in so many cultures. So spirituality is really whatever you want it to look like, whatever you want the world to look like. And being able to re-engage with that for me sort of gave me back this feeling of hope, purpose, meaning, this sort of support for me to find surrender and find acceptance during times where naturally my ego wants to control, control, control to take care of me. But all that's doing is making me feel more and more out of control. It's only through radical acceptance and surrender and letting go and saying, okay, all I have is right now. All I can do is throw my stone and watch my ripples. That's all I can control. And the rest is up to my faith to hope that we can we can create something better in the future it's your permission slip to go ahead and do that so if this is something that you're still struggling with and you find that you're circling back and like throwing yourself down these black holes of the world seeming really difficult my invitation for you is to really simplify your focus Simplify your circle of control, mindfulness, acceptance, spirituality, your big three really to to reconnect with and to focus on. And they're going to be your pillars to help you feel like you can still cope with the world, like the world still has beauty, joy, amazingness in it, which it so obviously does, but we just don't see it when we are so stuck in the negative and we're so making this self-fulfilling prophecy of the world being totally fucked and we're reaffirming that view, we're missing all of the beauty that's right in front of us. And that's what we really need to be re-engaging with. That's what's truly powerful. And that's what's going to empower us to, to create the version of reality that we want. So if that's where you are at, I hope that this podcast episode has made you feel a little bit less alone. I think it's so common to think that maybe you look at me and think I'm a therapist. Like obviously my whole mission is based on this idea of of finding simplicity and creating the reality I want. And that just must look perfect for me. And I must never struggle with that. It's absolutely not the case, but life is inevitable when it comes to struggles. Like we're always going to face these these struggles and these challenges. The only inevitable thing in life is change. So the sooner that we can accept that and almost find peace in that, the better off that we're going to be. So I invite you to think about this while you're doing your end of year reflection and think about what you might be able to take into 2024 to really help you 
have these coping mechanisms and these toolkits and really be empowered and productive about creating the 2024 and the reality that you want and that is aligned with you. It's taking the idea and thinking about, okay, what is the embodied action that I can commit to that's going to make this a true reality for me? So that's it for today. It's been a long one. Gosh, you don't hear from me for a week and I suddenly have a whole lot to say. I hope you have a beautiful week. I hope that this maybe resonated with you a little bit. Let me know. Send me a message. If you're loving the show, you can definitely go ahead and give me a five-star rating. I would not be mad about that. (laughs) And it just means that more people who are looking for this kind of content to scale back and slow down and create the reality they want can find me. Have a beautiful week. Tune into my stories at Simplify by Kate over the next 10 days to see what you might be able to win to get you into the festive spirit. And I will see slash speak to you next week. Bye.